So you decided you want to buy a gun, but how do you choose which one? You don't have time to test every handgun, rifle, and shotgun out there. NorCal Gun Vault can help you out. Yeah, the folks that work there are passionate about firearms. They hunt, they shoot. You can tell it's not just a job for them, and it shows in their ability to find the perfect firearm for you. NorCal Gun Vault is fully stocked with hundreds of handguns, rifles, shotguns, not to mention tons of ammo, dozens of accessories. Yeah, whether shooting is just a hobby, you're a hunter, or you're thinking about owning your first gun, NorCal Gun Vault has exactly what you're looking for. By the way, if cash is tight right now, but you really want to get a gun, NorCal Gun Vault will work with you to create a layaway program individually tailored to what makes sense for your budget. NorCal Gun Vault opens seven days a week, locally owned and operated. Check them out at NorCalGunVault.com. NorCalGunVault.com. It really matters when you're dealing with experts. Go to NorCalGunVault.com, NorCalGunVault.com. Build-up is pretty big. Trump meeting with Putin. I don't exactly know the particulars. We're about to find out, like... uh, Will they be alone in a room, or are they just going to, like, stare each other briefly and shake hands, or, or, or what's going to happen? And then, and then you know, then just the, the complexities, the chess match of actually dealing with Vladimir Putin. Which, of course, will stretch on into the future, but uh, a major milestone uh, coming up in the next, well, several hours slash day or so. And all the stuff we promised we'd get to, we will get to. But first, David Nakamura of the Washington Post uh, a great piece this morning. Phone taps, power plays, and sarcasm. What it's like to negotiate with Vladimir Putin. David, welcome. How are you? Hey, thanks for having me. Good. Oh, oh it's our pleasure. What a great premise for an article. What uh, is it like to negotiate with uh, the great man? You know, it's interesting. I, yeah, my, my idea was to talk to former uh, aides to Presidents Obama and uh, George W. Bush, who've been in the room and sort of know what it's like. And what's interesting, a few things jump out about Vladimir Putin. He's a former KGB officer, people may well know, and he uses a number of tricks to sort of, and sort of power plays to sort of throw his opponents off balance. Everything from uh, keeping foreign leaders, including President Obama, waiting. Obama waited 40 minutes for him one meeting, and uh, John Kerry, the Secretary of State, waited three hours on a, on a different time, uh, to making little snide and sarcastic remarks. Uh, he sort of ch- he made a joke about John Kerry carrying his own bags off a plane one time and then uh, and then suggested that uh, the reason Kerry was carrying his bags was uh, because it was a cash bribe to get uh, Russia to do what the United States wanted in Syria. Uh, but Putin even, you know, I sort of start the article uh, with, with Vice President Biden uh, traveling to Moscow and trying to diffuse tensions between Russia and, and neighboring Georgia. And, and Biden, you know, started talking about, I just spoke to the president of Georgia and he told me such and such and Putin cut him off and said, look, uh, we know everything you've said to the president of Georgia already on the phone. Uh, as the U.S. aides looked at each other and realized he was suggesting that the call had been wiretapped. And I, I asked one of the aides in the meeting, well, did you, did you take him at his word? He said, yes, we, we actually did. We assumed he was listening in. So, you know, look, I mean, wow. Putin is, uh, is doing anything he can to get an advantage, um, which is you know, probably true of all world leaders. But uh, this, this uh, particular leader has uh, a lot of experience in this. You know, I'm struck by, you know, several of those things, David, played to the fact that diplomats, uh, presidents uh, at all have certain expectations, certain norms, etc. And he jerks those around a little to make you uncomfortable. Trump's got an entirely different set of norms. So, you know, I'd love to be in the room, never mind the history unfolding. I'd love to see what he tries with Donald J. Trump. 
Well, that's, you know, you know, people say, look, this is a first meeting. And I did talk to both uh, uh, Obama and, and, uh, and, and Bush aides about sort of the initial meetings. Uh, Obama's was in 2009. Uh, Putin was then the prime minister. Obama had met separately with the president at the time, Dmitry Medvedev. But the U.S. side realized that uh, Putin was still probably the, the chief decision maker. So they met separately for three hours over tea at, at Putin's sort of private residence outside Moscow. They were, you know, they were trying to do more than sort of a get to know you. They were sort of doing what they called the reset, the Russia reset, to try to relations under Bush had really uh, plummeted. And, uh, you know, they said that, you know, they basically were going to try to have a fresh start. And Putin came out with a long litany of complaints about Bush, uh, about the Bush's war on terror, about the invasion of Iraq. He said it was called foolish. Uh, and then Putin basically said, look, the reason is I got along with Bush, but it was the deep state, uh, as, as uh, Mike McFaul, the former ambassador to, to Russia, told me, uh, who was in the meeting, and said, you know, that Putin basically blamed the U.S. intelligence agencies for undermining any cooperation. And so at that moment, right at the beginning, uh, the Obama folks realized uh, they were in for a handful. Now, you know, with Trump, uh, also people say, look, you know, take away for a, for a second the meddling in the election and the uh, ongoing investigation of the Trump campaign. It's okay for any administration to come in and say, look, we want to have better relations. That's okay. Obviously, uh, the question now is whether Trump will bring up uh, this issue of Russia's meddling. I mean, Putin has uh, been in public record denying any involvement, uh, denying this uh, all the U.S. findings of, of uh, you know, uh, stealing uh, emails from the Democratic Party and so on. Uh, and so will Trump bring this up? His aides say that they wouldn't say. They said it's up to the president. Uh, there's no formal agenda, which is very unusual. Uh, people say a mistake because Putin's going to have an agenda uh, and that you want to sort of control the topics of conversation. But the White House just will not say whether they're going to bring this up. Well, we're talking with David Nakamura of the uh, Washington Post about the uh, Trump Putin meeting that is going to happen tonight, our time. Would that be right? So we'll wake yeah, we up to the info. If, we don't. We don't know exactly, but we assume yes. But, you know, he's uh, Trump has landed now in Germany for the G20. There's two days of meetings. Uh, they're six hours ahead of us. So we assume yes. Yeah, some maybe sometime tonight. We haven't gotten the full readout. The you know the White House uh, emphasizes that even though the Putin's is the uh, uh, the media's focus, um, that uh, Trump has a, a run of meetings on the sidelines of this G20 summit of 20 of the biggest economies in the world. He has a number of meetings with uh, everybody from the Chinese president to Japanese. Prime Minister uh, Chancellor Merkel, um, you know uh, the Prime Minister uh, Prime Minister May of uh, of uh, Britain, uh, and a number of others. So uh, the White House is trying to sort of downplay expectations of the Putin meeting a little bit. But so uh, George Bush, uh, George W. Bush, famously yeah. said of Putin, "I looked into his eyes and saw his soul." You oh, know, in in right. yep. sort of admiringly uh-huh. tone, admiring yep. tone. Yep. And then Robert Gates, CIA director, said, "I look yep. in his eyes and I see a stone cold killer." And I've read about <laughs> enough, enough about Putin. Putin is a stone yep. cold killer. So, right. I mean, that that is one interesting dynamic. Uh, Obama was an academic. Trump's a businessman. Yep. Putin's a stone cold killer. Yes. And, and you know, people say, look, that, you know, Putin has his style. He, you know, he uses a little bit of humor to, you know, to, you know, to both both, you know, charm, but also maybe throw people off. But, you know, in the end that, you know, personalities matter, but that Putin has a determined goal. He's outlasted three U.S. presidents. You know, he came to power right at the end of, of the Clinton era. And he's basically trying to restore Russia's primacy in, you know, in Europe and in that region um, and try to restore some of the luster of the old Soviet Union uh, to Russia. And that's his goal. And, you know, whether it's an invasion, you know, sort of annexing. Uh, you know, part of Ukraine to, you know, meddling in Syria to keep people off balance. I mean, you know, these are things that, you know, Putin's doing for leverage. And in the end, 
Trump wants his help on Syria, wants his help on ISIS, wants his help on North Korea now. Uh, and these are things that, that you know, Trump's going to bring up. But people say, look, Trump can't give up the big thing, which is you can't meddle in the U.S. elections. And Trump is compromised to some degree by this, we think, because of obviously this ongoing investigation and Trump's own uh, political box that he's in. And so that could cut both ways. Russia is concerned you know, that uh, they thought maybe they'd get cooperation from Trump, lifting some of the economic sanctions, returning a, a couple diplomatic compounds that Obama had uh, seized from them after the uh, election. Uh, but now they're worried that anything Trump does would, would be interpreted as sort of, you know, capitulating to Russia because he's compromised. So, you know, it, we don't know which way it's going to cut. But I think what people want to hear from Trump after the meeting is that, you know, he told Putin that you do not meddle in the election. Whether that's going to happen, we just don't know. David Nakamura, White House reporter for The Washington Post. Well, we learned from your paper with that fantastic story, whatever it was Friday before last, about Obama's yeah. dealings with all that, yeah. that mm-hmm. that famous picture where Putin and yeah. Obama are staring each other yeah. with grimaces yeah. on their face, that, uh, that that Obama laid down basically what you just said. Look, we know you're yeah. meddling yeah. in our election. you got to knock it off. Right. I don't know that it did any right. good. No, right. It didn't do any good. Um, and, you know, that's the thing. You know, you could tell Putin one thing. One thing I've told, another thing I heard was that, you know, a lot of times in these summits, maybe less so in this one because of the first meeting, but, you know, the lower level diplomats work out, um, you know, some sort of, you know, agenda and maybe even some sort of what they call deliverables that'll be announced at the end by both sides. Uh, the leaders come in and sort of, re, you know, reaffirm these things. Uh, but that, you know, that Russia will use some of the whatever they announce uh, and then twist it later and say, wait a minute, you know, we're, you know, we, we, we said that, you know, the, terrorism is the biggest, you know, uh, concern in Syria for peace, you know, some general statement and that, mm. uh, you know, all of a sudden Russia will use that to say, you know, that's why we need to, to, to bomb a, uh, uh, you know, some of the rebels or the or, or hospital complex because there was terrorism going on. They'll just use it and sort of twist it in a way that the U.S. side didn't intend. And another uh, risk people said was that, look, you know, you can lay the groundwork with the lower level aides, sort of what's going to be agreed upon and let the leaders sort of reaffirm it. But you never know for sure what the two leaders might agree to. Uh, Putin also sometimes and, and other leaders will bring you know, try to get sort of uh, the U.S. side to a one-on-one, Putin like smaller meetings, you know, get Trump to agree on something that wasn't intended. And that's another risk, especially for someone like Trump, who is a deal maker, a businessman, he likes to do deals, but has less experience in maybe what, what it all means if you're, if you're saying or doing something well, uh, and, you know, in one of these meetings. And as astute as Putin is in the art of persuasion and or duping people and or feeding them a little polonium with their tea, yep. I could yep. easily see him, because he's done all sorts of psychological ops on on yep. Trump, easily see him dangling what appears to be mm-hmm. a history-making deal that <laughs> right. would make uh, uh, mm-hmm. Trump a hero right. and then screwing him. Because when you're dealing with Putin, and I hope Trump knows this because yeah. he's dealt with right. a lot of uh, a lot of pirates, that right. you're, you're making a deal with the devil, which is a, a phrase people throw right. around a lot. But mm-hmm. the key aspect of that yeah. is that once you owe the devil something, yep. once right. he's... Got his fingers right. around. Once, right. once you're in business with the devil, you get screwed. So we'll there's see. Already, yeah, I mean, there's already speculation that Putin has something on Trump. You know, on, much of it unconfirmed that, you know, that is the reason why Trump will not, com, you know, continue to denounce. And even today he was asked at a news conference in Poland, you know, did the Russians meddle? And he sort of seemed to say yes and then said no, but it could have been other people. You know, he continues to give an out and no one's sure why. But you're right. And, you know, look, people mentioned, make the point that Trump brought uh, Xi Jinping of China, another imperial leader uh, of sort of a rival country, down to uh, – 
Mar-a-Lago early in, you know, a couple months ago uh, and sort of announced that, you know, oh, we got a deal to sort of, you know, I'm not going to call him a trade manipulator because uh, he's going to help me with North Korea. Now look what you got. I mean, you have China back to what it's always been, which is, uh, you know, not doing enough on uh, North Korea. Maybe they can't, maybe they don't want to, but this is something, you know, diplomats would say, we know this. And yet Trump, you know, sort of announced that, look, it's going to be different. And, and now he's saying, look, China hasn't made good on their promise. So yes, uh, any deals that are struck, any sort of common ground that's, you know, is found, it's, it takes a lot of diplomatic effort and uh, of all the different agencies. And this is a problem that people say, look, Trump doesn't have, uh, he, you know, he's both at State Department and Pentagon, they haven't named all the sort of mid-level aides that you need to sort of do the hard-knuckled, uh, you know, consistent diplomacy that really results in deals that you can be reaffirmed and can be trusted and counted on. And, you know, look, this is the first meeting. I'm not sure, you know, what people are, are expecting, but I think it's mostly about signaling at this point about, especially on this question of the election and Russia's uh, alleged meddling. And so I think that's that's what people are really going to be looking for. David Nakamura, White House reporter for The Washington Post. David, thanks. Really enjoy sure. the chat. Uh, good yep. to talk to you. Thanks a lot. Anytime. Thank you. Uh, you know, I was going to bet him a dime. The, 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 nothing's going to come out of the freaking Trump-Russia collusion. Paul Manafort failed to declare a speech to, you know, the, the Petersburg uh, the Convention and Visitors, Visitors Bureau on his tax return, something like that. And and at this point, you know, honestly, does Trump have something on him? Or I'm sorry, does Putin have something on Trump? Well, Putin's one of the fine fellows who brought us the whole Pizzagate thing. So I'm hoping... You know, anything that Putin, uh, da, we have picture of uh, Trump with prostitute uh, pledging overthrow of Utah. Yes. I mean, nobody's going to believe it anyway. So, ah, story's overblown. be interesting to see what comes out of this little meeting because um, Donald Trump's, you know, he's not, I don't know how much he's worked with killers, like people who physically kill people, but certainly he's had a lot of high-level negotiations with sharks mm-hmm. who are out to trick you. I mean, he's done he's done a lot more of that than Obama had done in his life. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I think he will recognize, okay, I'm being jobbed here. I would hope, although Putin knows that the, yeah. and, and knows what buttons to push. Yeah, the disadvantage Trump has with Obama is I don't think Obama was as easily personally offended where he would, you know, uh, all his reactions would be about his personal feelings. Right. Which Trump could get into. Right. Well, we shall see. Yeah, you are listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Kids in the RV leaving Saturday with like 10 people hanging out at our house to keep it going. Wow. You have too big an operation if you have to bring in that many people to hang out at your property while you're gone to keep things going. Well, it's not a house. It's a a ranch, right? It's a compound. (laughs) We have a philosophy. Oh, boy. Come join. And you uh, walk around in aviator shades reading from the Bible just out of curiosity? Right, you have to wear a robe. I yeah. wear I wear a robe. It's nice. Everybody wears robes. <laughs> <laughs> this sort of thing usually ends up in somebody sexing up underage girls, but I know that's not your style. That's not my thing. No, indeed. So, uh, speaking of uh, awful, execrable groups, awful groups, this is gladdened my heart. The state of New Jersey has declared Antifa a domestic terrorist organization. 
And I quote, from the great state of my parents' birth. In the past year, Antifa groups have become active across the United States, employing a variety of methods to disrupt demonstrations. And it lists a bunch of demonstrations, University of California at Berkeley, etc. Also, it lists how Antifa has engaged in uh, harassing, abusing, etc. individuals. Um, It's uh, valid because Antifa fits the definition of terrorism, which is, quote, the unlawful use of violence and intimidation, especially against civilians in the pursuit of civil uh, political aims. They're clearly a terrorist group. the, The only thing I get out of this is why is the federal government not done this? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's it's amazing. And they will probably get around to it. Uh, but I call out, as I have so many times, Jesse Araguin, the mayor of Berkeley, California, who is clearly an Antifa sympathizer, if not member, as he is a, a, a charter member of the by any means necessary group that believes in physical violence, political intimidation, etc., even as he claims he's not. Ed Murray of Seattle, you're on the list, too. When are you going to call them out as terrorists just because you're le- they're lefties, you sympathize with them? And I'm reading an interview with uh, Ted Wheeler. It's so, it's so weak to accept violence against innocence when it supports nominally your side right. of politics. Right. It's uh, so weak. Oh, it's beyond weak. I mean, it's it's unforgivable. It's scumbaggery. It's criminal. It's un-American. It's traitorous. And Jesse Erguin and Ed Murray are at the top of that list. Now, I'm reading the uh, an interview that Time.com did with the mayor of Portland. Time the Ted magazine? Wheeler. Yeah, they, it's a website now. Kids, a website, is, I'm sorry, a, a magazine is a website that they put on paper. Why would you print it on paper? I don't know. So anyway, Ted Wheeler's been uh, the mayor of Portland for a little while now, but um, and he's doing an interview with Time, and he's talking about the Antifa scumbags and all, and he engages, he is not nearly the scumbag that like Aragorn and Murray are, but he engages in the, uh, the, the Time reporter, to their credit, keeps bringing up, these people show up and they bash heads. Well, both the extreme right and the extreme left are guilty of blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but these anti-fascist and anarchist groups, they're wrecking cities, blah, blah. Well, it fits into the larger polarization, the extreme right and the extreme left or blah, blah, blah. You know what, son? You're abs- You're so transparent. You are so transparent. Number one, you look like you walked right out of an L.L. Bean catalog. I mean, how <laughs> Portlandia can you get from the glasses to the Let me zip up? He's uh, just a... He just he's, he's going to shop for kale in a kayak as soon as he gets done with the interview. Going to shop for kale in a kayak. But Hilarious! Anyway, you're, uh, uh, Mr. <laughs> Mayor, sir, you're not fooling anybody. You're desperate to promote the idea that there are these organized right-wing groups that march en masse in uniform, black uniforms and masks, with clubs and sticks and, and, and explosives and the rest, and smash up college campuses and bash heads when liberal speakers come to campus. Except that never friggin' happens, you big fat liar! Ted, Je- well, Jesse and Ed, it's useless because they're with the terrorists. Ted, I'm appealing to you because you seem like a reasonable man in a very nice tight-checked shirt from L.L. Bean. You cannot passive your way out of this. You cannot, well, there's sins on both sides out of this. You have to have the balls, or at least the ball, to say... <laughs> 
There are people on the liberal side of things who've gone way too far and they become domestic terrorists. Do you have that ball, Mr. Mayor? Do you? Then say, I'm Joe Getty. I'm Joe Getty. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. It is. And, and you know, it's especially hilarious and it's so disingenuous because I, I swear to God, we will call it straight on the Armstrong and Getty show. But, you know, your Southern Poverty Law Center declares anybody to the right of Mitt Romney a hate group. But then you have this armed, uniformed army marching into American cities and smashing heads. And everybody who's uh, left to center is, well, you know, there's problems on the right and the left. You cowards. You liars. I'm still Joe Getty. Awesome. Just came across this. We were talking about this a lot last week. Uh, USA Today has a graph on each on the front of each section. I love the little graphs. Check them out every day. What percentage of high school students express interest in skilled trades? Because we were talking about this last week nice. several times because we ran into some business owners said, we can't hire people. This is not unskilled labor. This is skilled labor. You get some training in, say, servicing an air conditioner or whatever. Plumbing, something like that, right. and uh, make they'll pay good money. They'll pay for your training. They'll pay you a good salary. You could support a family on this. You could live anywhere you want in America. Pick your favorite sports team, climate, or 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 accent. You could live anywhere in America. They need jobs so much, but nobody wants to do it. What percentage of high school students express interest in skilled trades, a field experiencing labor shortages? Three percent. Wow. Three. Yeah. Wow. I was braced for like 13. No, and it's it's cultural. Like I was saying last week, I really think it's so much cultural because there's no way you can tell me that, that your average high school kid aspires to wear khakis and a polo shirt and carry a file folder uh, uh, around and type into a computer for, for as an assistant to the assistant general regional manager. But that's what you're going to be doing. You would rather do that? Well, and, and, and when they shouldn't be desperately trying to refinance their $80,000 in student loans right. when they're supposed to be working on that file for twelve fifty an hour. Yeah. It's it's just it's just a weird cultural thing. God, people, that's amazing. People look down on that. They see that as a as a wasted life or something. I don't know. It's crazy. It's just crazy. When you're a mechanic, you can't get famous. You want to be a Kardashian. But you're not going to be a Kardashian sitting in your cubicle typing in your computer either. It's a low paying job. That's that's nowheresville. Also, I don't understand why a person chooses one over the other. Maybe that's what they I like it. the indoors. That could be it. That could be it. I I really think it's just cultural. Yeah, I have one follow-up story. Uh, uh, re, uh, the communist state, the totalitarian Maoist Berg of Berkeley, California. We'll get to it in a little while. Stay with us. A hate crime in Berkeley against white people? What? Stay with us. What's coming up in your news, Marshall Phillips? Well, the Dems are ripping Trump's latest comments about alleged Russian meddling in the U.S. election. Why are we still talking about this? This is so. This is this is so tried. This is so played, rather. And we're tired, Marshall. Your news is tired. We've got a shortage of insect venom causing major health problems for people around the country. Stories coming up minutes from now. Armstrong and Getty. Didn't see that one coming. No, I didn't. And I got to ask Sean about the uh, Beyonce Jay Z war and albums because I've been reading about this. It's, It's Interesting. Aren't they married? It's an interesting way to run a marriage. You each put out an album accusing each other of uh, all their faults. Hmm. Imagine if you argued with your wife that way. It'd just be too slow paced, for one thing. (laughs) You know, you you put out an album saying, you know, you never help with housework. Six months later, my album comes out. Oh, yeah? (laughs) Great. 
Stay here. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. So I guess we're taking the puppy with us in the RV to the ocean. Which, uh, you know. Is what it is. Mm, it is the basis of a hilarious summer comedy, <laughs> but lived out in your life. Yeah, exactly. Take notes. Make notes. Uh, let's get the news now with Marsha Phillips. And not letting it go, the Democratic National Committee ripping President Trump over his latest comments about Russia. A statement says Trump's dismissal of Russian interference in the 2016 presidential he didn't election. Dismiss it. This is partisan nonsense. Do we want to hear partisan nonsense? Go ahead. <laughs> Democrats saying it's a failure to stand up for American democracy and an invitation for the Kremlin to meddle in the 2018 midterms. All right. Trump was asked about the Russian election meddling during a news conference in Poland this morning. I think it was Russia, but I think it was probably other people and or countries. And I see nothing wrong with that statement. Uh, nobody really knows. But so if, if, if he does say to Putin, hey, you meddled in our election, you know it and I know it, knock it off. Does anybody think that would do any good? I almost brought that up with our reporter. Please, I think it'd be more interesting and perhaps effective to not say anything at all to Putin and then, you know, d- d- screw him behind the scenes two days later. The whole point, Keep them off balance. The whole point of that really long Washington Post article was Obama tried a whole bunch of different things, and none of right. them did anything. None of them accomplished anything. You know, telling him face-to-face, sending him backdoor messages. Well, all see, kinds of that's, I'm picturing you go to a stone killer, an absolute killer, a KGB guy, an expert in psychological uh, you know, warfare, and you say to him, listen, you better stop that. I mean, he's gonna he's gonna guffaw when he walks out of the room. Have you seen any of the Showtime special with Oliver Stone? That documentary? No, I have not. It's really interesting. Putin's quite a character. He. Be- I won't get Showtime because sometimes they show bare boobs, and I will not <laughs> support pornography. Teat. <laughs> so, it, does Putin play uh, Oliver Stone? Is he playing him, or are they doing some real back That's and an forth? Inter- oh, playing him. Yeah, I see what you're him. saying. Yeah. Now. Well, Oliver Stone is is a crazy person. I mean, he's yeah. he's fully on the side of Russia and Putin for some reason. I don't know what he's up to. But anyway, he's a communist. It seems to me that Putin believes his worldview. I mean, he grew up living it as a KGB. Good for the world, and the United States is an evil presence, and he seems to just believe all that stuff. I could see that. I mean, there are different political philosophies that are honestly held around the world, and he believes in a, a strong state and a strong government and a strong man at the head of it. You combine that with Russian paranoia about the... It, right. It's a very, very difficult country to defend and has been invaded with horrific results many times in history. Right. So you combine those two things. I mean, he can honestly believe a lot of what he says, sure. America's largest teachers union is adopting a new policy against charter schools. You've got the <laughs> National Education Association coming out with a policy statement aimed at limiting charter school growth and increasing accountability for the schools. The NEA president saying in a statement that handing over students' education to privately managed, unaccountable charter schools jeopardizes students and harms communities. Wow, that is so hilarious. That is really some of the best comedy I've heard in years because the publicly run accountable schools are doing suck it. 
So, uh, uh, similar to my question with Putin, whether or not you actually believe the stuff you're saying. Do they actually believe that? Do they actually believe that some privately run school can't do as good a job as the big, giant, suffocated by political correctness public school system? It's just too dangerous to have innovative ideas. You you just don't know what's going to happen. I mean, my kids are going to go to... They exist solely for the power of the union. My kids are likely going to go to public school their whole lives. I'm not anti-public school, but they do have to spend an awful lot of time on the weird political correctness crap that goes on as opposed to just educating how, how do you how do you think that that's necessarily better well you live in a particularly yes. uh, progressive enclave that's true you yep. should come over to my neck of the woods in caucasian acres oh my god what a great education my kids got it's fantastic i'm not worried about the education it's just uh you spend a lot of time talking about stuff that just doesn't matter to me well that's what i'm talking at the about. high levels and so you so but they but they believe that a charter school can't be successful no, in educating they don't children. Believe that no, it's you just, don't think it, they believe it. No, though. it diminishes the power of their union. Period. That is their be all end all from the, the the when the sun crests over the mountains to when it sets in the east. <laughs> That's what they're all about. Turns out there's a current shortage of bee, wasp, and hornet extract venom used in saving lives. We need more bee squeezins. Supplies of extracts, uh, which are made from venom gathered by hand from millions of insects, have been scarce since October. That's when two manufacturers had to close down production after contamination problems. So as a result, allergy clinics around the country have been forced to ration doses for patients who need the most. Now, doctors are saying they hope the situation's resolved, but it's not likely going to be resolved before next year. Boy, I got like 5,000 dead hornets if anybody needs them. Our hornet traps are teeming. The uh, experts are saying, you know, it's a tedious process extracting venom from insects and will take a while for the closed labs to get production going again. And I wondered about bee squeezing and I looked it up. In the course of stimulation, the behavior of bees in an electrical, electrical field, contact with the wires, get a little bit of an electrical shock and they sting onto the glass sheet. The bee venom collected dries in the glass and they gather that up. Good work if you can get it. Boy. Be squeezing. I'll tell you, it goes high tech. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the voice of the West. From the text line, Jack, I hope your pug doesn't get sand in his eyes. Yeah, you have to worry about that. Oh, They're boy. buggy eyes. Yeah. <laughs> hope one of his eyes doesn't pop out while we're on vacation. Oh, jeez. <laughs> as, we, as we learned, that's an actual thing that happens with pugs. Yes, you're playing the sting. I get it. Hilarious. It's funny every time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Try to get a dog whose eyes don't fall out, Jack. <laughs> I should say to my can we get a dog whose eyes aren't going to fall out and horrify the children? So a lot of stuff we could get to. If you're contemplating sexing up a chicken during the commercials, wait till after the break and you hear what's happening to one Oregon man. And I do want to talk about the Jay-Z album, which is uh, oh, a big deal, I guess. We probably don't have that many chicken blankers in the audience, so, you know. I hope not. You can go with the Jay-Z thing. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Keep f***ing <laughs> that chicken. <laughs> says Jay-Z's new album is golf course music. <laughs> so look forward to getting shot, that's what I say. Wow! 
Um, Mr. Z would not engage in, 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 in common fisticuffs nor gunplay, a mogul like himself. so He's um, more Montgomery Burns at this point than, you know, gangsta. So we wanted to, I wanted to play a little Jay-Z coming back from his new album, but um, uh, Vincent finally dug some up, but it's got too many N-bombs in it, which that alone is interesting. Well, why can't we play it Exactly. Then? Well, that's the interesting part. I mean, in its own separate conversation. But yeah. so here's an album that went platinum in less than a week, which is really amazing. Which no, that means doesn't what? Because it's now. only like available on streaming. The, the, the whole platinum sales thing is know. very weird to me. But that many people are interested in right. it. And... Uh, Yet we can't play any of it because it has words that people uh, consider, I mean, just abhorrent to the to English language. Sure. So it, it's hugely popular, yes. but we can't play any of it because it, it would, would be, offend the populace. It would offend everyone. Right. Except for the millions of people who wanted to hear it. Instantly. The violence and the death and the horror and the hate, what could be more offensive than that? But we air it, or some people air it, because it's interesting. It's worthy of discussion and or knowing about Listen, I don't use the end term. I don't think you should either. But if Jay's new album is full of it, I'll hear it. You know? Not me. All right. I brave, brave stance. Or or if I do listen to it after each end bomb, I say, I disavow. Right. I disavow. In case I'm caught on like video. If I'm caught on video hearing the N-word and like, bopping my head, that's an approval of well, the N-word. Vincent has ad- admitted to engaging in that, rapping along with his favorite records. Oh, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> you got to bleep yourself. And then I said to the bleep, you got to bleep yourself. So anyway, Jay-Z's album, new, uh, new album comes out, and critics are liking it and everything like that. It's called 444 because he woke up at 444 in the morning and wanted to start recording. Okay. All right, then. But um, so this was interesting. The review I read in the New York Times, and Jay-Z's one of those artists now like... Uh, it's difficult to get to that status, but you get there if you're a U2 or Bob Dylan or um, who else is in this level where everything you put out, it's it's really treated as great art at the highest levels of intelligence. You yeah. could fart into a microphone, as yeah. the old saying I'm, goes, and I'm not, Rolling Stone would give it five stars. I'm not saying that Jay-Z did. Uh, he may because, have. Because I don't. Turn it up loud. I, You'll hear it in the background. I haven't heard him. I haven't heard Hard any of it. fart primary. And I'm not a good judge of the kind of music, but he is at that level now where everything is brilliant for the rest of your life. Sure. Because I'm a Bob Dylan fan, and he's put out albums that I thought were crap, and the and the critics just, oh my God, it's That's eh, not. You're just, you just soil yourself but anyway right. uh so jay-z's His christmas album was good though the, the interesting thing to me <laughs> i was re- reading about jay-z's album is that it's got songs l- addressing the complaints from his wife's album from like last year a little bit yeah yeah they're kind of they're subtweeting each other through through song and verse which is you know that's it's a beautiful thing that's so, why it works so she puts out an album saying i know you cheated on me basically yes. And I don't, you know, I'm not going to put up with it. And then he puts out an album that says, "Yeah, you're right. I did cheat on you. Here's why I won't do it again." Is that? It's pretty much, yeah. It's it's wow. in many ways. It's a I'm I'm 40 something. I've made mistakes in my life. Uh, he makes references to other kind of celebrity couples that that fell apart because of infidelities. And he said, "I can't believe I almost let that happen to me." And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's really introspective. The whole album is only like 35 minutes long. Well, if, wow. you can, if you can make gazillions of dollars and have everybody five minutes wagging their tongues over yeah, I'm that, I'm pretty that's sure it's, a, it's less than forty minutes total playtime. That's what albums used to be, though. I like it. I like it. That's 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 the amount it I is, want to take in. It is digestible. The great albums of all time, going back in the day, were all really short. Mm. 
Allman Brothers Live Fillmore East, 35 minutes. Really? Yeah. That's how long albums used to be. Mm. But um, so now. Short attention span. Now you get an album, it's like 25 songs. It's just, I can't, yeah, di- I can't digest that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so, are, we, are they playing the world, or do you think they're actually, as a married couple, like this is the way they're talking to each other? I think this is similar to conversations they had probably a year, two years ago. I don't think this is like the real time version of it. Um, but yeah, I, I, I hope so because that's too slow paced. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't think this is all an act um, in terms of the. It doesn't have to be if you're, especially if you're an artist. You know, you were uh, you're emoting, and those are your emotions. You're you're upset because your husband's cheating on you, and you're raising little kids, and then. Sure. But your, your old lady's mad at you for cheating you while you're raising little kids. Yeah, Beyonce's running around with her hair and curlers and doing a laundry and putting it up on the clothesline, scrubbing the kitchen floor. The flip side is <laughs> is that Jay-Z is notorious for not actually <laughs> ever writing anything down. He, he, he essentially oh, just yeah. kind of freestyles and then re... Uh, kind of hones the freestyle down into a better version. So his albums always have a very current feel. It's never... It's not like the, the, the to use an equivalent from a different art form, stand-up comedy, when Roseanne made her career off being kind of the, the middle-class, poor, poor mother. When she got rich, it was hard for her to do those things and those similar jokes, where Jay-Z's always kind of evolved with it because he doesn't have a, a catalog of past uh, poems to kind of go over. It's all very current. So are we going to get down to, uh, I mean, more minor squabbles, like you didn't take out the trash and... You live the toilet seat up to use a cliche, and if I know. have to pick up one more pair of your socks, I'm leaving. If, if <laughs> well, Beyonce, be... if Beyonce makes a song about him leaving the toilet seat up, maybe he'll have to respond. But I think <laughs> a year it's, later, I think she's the driver on what he needs to respond to. Or maybe those are the deep cuts when the when the basement tapes come out. These are the cuts that didn't make the album. It'll be the you always leave your socks by the door. And, How come right. you never buy me whole milk? The next time I crawl into bed and there are cracker crumbs in there that I have to brush out. How about when I'm reading the newspaper, I'm reading the newspaper. Please stop talking. (laughs) That'd be a good rap. (laughs) Please stop talking. (laughs) Ah, that's funny. I'm just saying Jay-Z might say that. Can you imagine having to, you put on your wife's album and think, okay, what's this going to be this time? (laughs) Don't know if I'm in the mood to listen to this. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show.